Welcome to Yesterday's Capers, the podcast that takes you on the best ever trip down memory lane. I'm Abdullah Molim, and every week we'll be bringing you some of the very best TV shows and cartoons this world has to offer. This week, we'll hear it for the boy as Johnny Quest takes on Tintin, and we'll decide which show with the word adventures on the title will come out on top. And for this week's main event, I'll be giving toxic masculinity a right old kicking as we take a special look at Rolls Eyes All The Way, Johnny Bravo. Now, I'm not sure how much time I'll have, but I'm going to spend most of it telling you just how horrible Johnny Bravo is. And without further ado, let's get started. And joining me today, once again, it's producer Paul. Hey, how's it going? Hey man, how's it going? All good? You right? Yeah, I did my equivalent of cramming. Had a busy week this week, so I uh, had quite a lot of cramming to do today. Okay, so where do you want to start this week? Do you want to start with the head-to-head or shall we go into the special? I think the special's quite heavy this week. Let's go. I think we guys go head to head. It's not heavy. It's well, you you made it heavy in the intro. I mean, no, but it's not. It's not heavy. It's just a matter of fact that I don't like Johnny Bravo. I'm not quite sure why I decided to pick him as a special. See, I quite like Johnny Bravo. I think it's. I think it's funny. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's a head to head that's a, that's a special done uh, yeah I think, I, think, I think that's it yeah you don't I like Johnny Bravo you don't like Johnny Bravo uh, anyway let's uh, let's get started before I uh, before I lose my ever loving mind I think I think we should start with Johnny Quest because I think that's probably one of the more interesting cartoons that I've watched and I don't know I just I just feel like it's it's a good place to start Okay, let's start with Johnny Quest. I mean, it kind of first came onto screens in September 1964. Some of the things that were happening in the world, we had Walt Disney winning the Medal of Freedom at the White House. The Not- Medal of Freedom. What, what, what does that get you? Just about anything you like, really. I mean, I don't know why they took so long to give it to him. He should have got it years ago. If you think about when he, the first big movie he did, which was what? Either Snow White or Pinocchio. He should have got it for that. Do you reckon? Yeah. A Medal it, of Freedom just for making, I mean, it, it, people have made. No, but it's like one of the most iconic of all time. Fine. Okay. Don't give it to them for that. But yeah, no, but at, at the time they wouldn't have known it was the best for all time. Right. So you can't, you know, if someone makes a film now. No, but you if don't... you make one and then you make another one that is equally as iconic and exceptional, then you go and give it to him. Straight out medal. And the film that kind of made the splash was uh, A Fistful of Dollars. Oh, what's So this a is film? the film that kind of started the whole Spaghetti Western, Sergio Leone and Clint Eastwood. I think my dad's probably going to be somewhere smiling when he listens to this because he. I have to say, it. absolutely amazing films like all, all you know, three main spaghetti western dollars, films, a few dollars more, and, and good, the good, the bad, bad oh. absolutely fantastic movies. I know. I remember, like, when I as a kid, like, my dad would make us watch it, and we'd be like, "Oh my god, this is so long, it's so boring." But you actually sit down and watch it, you're like, "Yo, this is like top range, top level." 
It's kind of like, groundbreaking cinema techniques, you know, yeah. like for its time. Mm. The technique, obviously, I think a lot of the techniques were a kind of byproduct of the, the film stock that they were using, but still today, like, cracking Absolutely, films. yeah. And Pretty Woman was uh, in the charts. Ray Roy Orbison's song, yeah, the Pretty Woman song. That was uh, the song number one in the charts. And then making its debut was uh, a young Johnny Quest. Now, what I found interesting in the old version was he was just basically a side character. He did little or nothing because it was basically all about his dad. Benton C. Quest and about Race Bannon. It was mainly about them two who would go on these adventures and they'd be traveling the world and tagging along would just be Johnny Quest. Yeah. I, I, I found that as well. I was kind of um I'm kind of a bit new to Johnny Quest. I knew it, it existed, mm. but I didn't know much about it. So when I was kind of watching some episodes, I was like where's Johnny? Is that Johnny? Is, is that yeah. Johnny? Is that, yeah. Is that, is that, um, and I was like, I'm sure he was a kid. And then, you know, and then like halfway <laughs> through the episode, he would just kind of rock in. Yeah. But he, he wasn't a main, a main character. It was just, it was kind of mainly about his dad, who is this world famous scientist who's kind of considered by the government as being like one of the, the top scientists in the world. And he would have, race race bannon with him who's like a, a special agent and race would kind of be tasked with protecting johnny and and haji but yeah like it's it wasn't it should have been called the adventures of benton c quest featuring johnny quest yeah not not necessarily johnny quest and as we mentioned he was with a, a, an, a at the time 11 year old child called haji who was from Kolkata, and he was adopted by uh, Dr. Quest. Okay, so he's Johnny's adopted brother. Adopted brother, yeah. I wondered what his story was. Yeah, and you had the dog Bandit, who's like every classic Hanron-Barbera dog who can seem to understand human beings and be able to communicate with them, just like every other dog in a Hanron-Barbera show. (laughs) And uh, you had uh, Jade who's kind of like this mysterious woman who we kind of sort of see kind of in the show and kind of in and out. And it's kind of sort of hinted that she may have had a thing with, uh, with race. So that was uh, an interesting, um, interesting aspect of that. But I think with the uh, Johnny quest, what Hanra Barbera wanted to do that they wanted to kind of make a, a more realistic kind of show with like, real sort of human beings with real stories and real just wanted to like instead of doing the whole like typical cartoon capers and all that kind of thing they wanted to kind of make something real and it was quite it was quite action-packed um for Mm. a kid's cartoon i thought it was kind of scooby-doo-esque but if scooby-doo-esque yeah it was scooby-doo imagine if scooby-doo kind of had real baddies not just people dressed up, <laughs> you know, like if it was actually uh, some dangerous, yeah, you know, thing or whatever it was, it mm-hmm. was kind of like, oh, there's something weird going on. And then it's like, oh, let's go investigate. And it's probably going to be the doorman with a mask on. Oh, no, it's an, it's an actual alien thing and they're going to yeah, get yeah. killed. But I think, yeah, like, as, I, as I was saying, it was like one of the f- sort of first Hanna-Barbera action-based adventure shows. 
I think the other ones that they had was Space Ghost, Herculoids, and Galaxy Trio, but I've never heard of any of those. I've never heard of <laughs> But I think they were kind of maybe the ones that kind of fell by the wayside and not as well known or as as, as successful as some of the other Hanron Barbera shows that they uh that they did. I mean they had quite a few hits. I mean it was not surprising they had a maybe a few Again, misses. yeah. I mean I keep I keep telling people Hanron Barbera is gonna be like a running theme throughout this podcast. I think we might even end up doing just a special on those two guys and That'd be what like they a basically four-hour yeah. four podcast. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to run down every single thing that Hannah and Barbera did from the beginning to this day. So they're, they're still doing stuff. And But yeah, I mean, in terms of the older episodes, were there any ones that you kind of sort of thought, oh, this was quite interesting? So I was watching, as I said, I found... Uh, well, Just the 1964 version. Yeah, so I, I think I watched some... Um, we're speaking just before we started recording, and I found them quite difficult to find online. Mm. I found there's an episode one about um, some pirate ships and some lizard men. Yeah, yeah. So I watched... The mystery my, of the lizard men. Yeah, so I watched like a six, seven minute clip, and I got quite into it. Yeah. And then it just stopped. It was, it was just kind of a seven minute part of the episode. Then I looked <laughs> for it. I looked for it online, and all I could find was a Mexican version of it. Oh, yeah, well, maybe it wasn't Mexican, but it sounded Mexican to me. So I kind of turned it off, um, and then I found one about a skull, uh, something about skull duggery. Oh, um, and then this guy was trying to. It was like a Mayan temple, and yeah. it had a skull in yeah. it, and some guy took it to Stonehenge. Uh, what's his? What's his, What's the baddie's name? Doctor Zinn. I think so, yeah. Is that, is that the baddie's name? I think so. Uh, yeah, he had <laughs> it, and he took it to thing, and he thought he was going to rule the world. Turns out to be a doomsday device, and they had to put a staff in it. And uh, oh. yeah, it was, it was, it was quite action packed. I can imagine. I can imagine. Um, also, I think for me, again, one of the episodes that really kind of struck a chord was the the lizard men one. I think I think that was the very first episode, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, series one, episode one. Yeah, I so thought, it wasn't. Yeah. Um, so you had no Haji in it. So that's a interesting one. But I think, yeah, that was an episode. I think The Curse of Anubis. So you had um, an archaeologist called Ahmed Karim who's trying to frame Dr. Quest for the theft of a priceless Egyptian artifact. And there's this whole vengeful mummy who's trying to like stop them from getting this this artifact. And again, it was something that was kind of very, very real in the sense of you can see real life stories they go into these countries they're not trying to pretend and i don't know i've gone found that quite interesting and if we go on to now 1986 because i think the johnny quest only lasted for a season back in 1964 so they thought all right let's let's give it another go we're going to call it the new adventures of johnny quest and so some of the things that happened in september 1986 i know you love this part was the Oprah Winfrey show made she made her debut nationally in nineteen eighty six. So this was before she was rich enough to just hand out things to people and you'll get a car, you'll get a car, you'll get a car and all that stuff. This was kind of like the old Oprah. So this is like probably like stuff that my mum and my auntie would like watch religiously back in the day. So this was kind of when that started. And also Dan Marino threw his 100th career touchdown pass and he was the fastest quarterback in NFL history to do so. Is that still the case? 
I I'm going to say no, but yeah, it was he was yeah he was the fastest to do it, and it kind of makes it all the more baffling that he didn't win a Super Bowl. Like he's considered to be one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, but he's never won a Super Bowl. Yeah, but you have got to have a good team behind you as well. True. Who was he playing for? Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins. Mo- mo- most of his sort of career was here. And Crocodile Dundee was the number one film at the time. And Venus by Banana Rama was number one in the charts. Oh my god. Yeah. That song was was a number one. And now in in the nineteen eighty six version of Johnny Quest, there were slight subtle changes. So you had them slightly older than they were back in 1964 and I think they kind of wanted to make it more an emphasis on actually Johnny Quest as opposed to him just you know just tagging along with with his dad and 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 race so it was a case of right we're gonna try and um make it more about Haji and we're gonna try and make it more about Johnny and you know we we learn all about all the interesting subtleties of of haji which <laughs> i don't even know what where to start maybe we go through it and then i just start, I've, just, I've start from the, just start from the beginning yeah go go and go and read your notes about haji i mean i didn't even know he was an adop- ad- adopted until you said so yeah um but he's got this kind of magic thing going on yeah um i didn't i don't even know what that's about <laughs> i mean it seems to come from his, he's got like a turban on and it's like this jewel in the yeah. middle. And he kind of like gestures to it as if that's the kind of source of his power. I uh, mean, that's like the most stereotypical thing that you could do. It's it's really lazy and it's really, I don't know, it's just all based on the whole, he's from India, so he must have all these... Mystical powers. Mystical powers. Sim Sim and what was it? Sim... Uh, I wrote it down, but I'm not sure if it's correct, but I said Sim Sim Salabim. That's it. <laughs> but the thing is, it's not... Sim Sim Salabim, but it's not, yeah. It's not even good magic. Like, no. It, like I said, it's lazy. It's just like, I can move this rope a little bit. Yeah, it's it's typical Hannah and Barbera, just, oh, foreign looking, so we're just going to make them look like these really weird kind of looking people. Same as it was with Tom and Jerry. Like, we're just going to black up everything that you know yeah it, it was like it was a bit peculiar to watch minstrel kind of thing and it's like you got this guy going sim sim and making the rope appear and doing all this stuff with a snake and yeah 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 you're just thinking oh my god this is just such a typical stereotype i'm i'm i was i was surprised i didn't see like george harrison or something coming with the with the sitar and just playing that <laughs> and just thinking oh are we going back to the maharishi days and no it was just i don't know i've i thought it was fairly lame yeah I, th- I still think the episodes for like uh were quite exciting there's yeah, quite yeah, a lot, yeah. kind of quite a lot going on mm. um obviously some quite peculiar uh, choices, should we say? <laughs> uh, that they use. And one thing I noticed that they have a the, the dog with them all the time seems yeah. to be more of a hindrance than a help. Well, the kind dog, of, yeah, kind of. They're trying to sneak around, and he's barking. You know, and it's a bit like he's like scared of everything. Maybe leave the maybe leave the dog <laughs> at home. <laughs> you know, put the radio on or yeah. something. Yeah, 
Because you know, one one of the episodes I did watch of the 1986 one I thought was quite interesting was the peril of the reptilian. So basically, it kind of starts with these like reptile looking things who kind of seem really organized, like just targeting like uh, a scientific sort of military base. And they're just like destroying everything in its path. And then you kind of see it's they're all kind of being controlled by some weird, wacky scientist who wants to... Dr. Dr. Forbes. Dr. Forbes. Dr. Forbes. And he apparently knows Dr. Quest from like back in the day. So he's like, you know, right, I've got these reptile dinosaur looking things and I'm going to get my own back and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And I think that was the episode where he's trying to make, because I think their boat kind of falls over and the rope is on there. And that's where Hadji's like, Sim, Sim, Salabim, and <laughs> pulling the rope to, to get the boat to come to him. So that's, where that where that kind of came from and the other episode from that time was the temple of gloom so haji's old teacher is kind of being forced by some evil thing to like disrupt a, a peace conference yeah so i think that's we're kind of getting to know haji a bit more and we kind of learn about his background and you know him growing up on the mean streets of kolkata and you know that's that was a quite a, an interesting episode, and uh, to nineteen ninety six. And now this is the Johnny Quest where, if there is a more epic opening credit in any TV show <laughs> than the the real adventures of Johnny Quest, then I will shut down this podcast because there isn't an opening credit. It is so epic. It's like. Dun, dun. It's like it's happening. You're thinking, oh my god, this is gonna be the greatest show of all time. And then you watch the show, and then it's a little bit underwhelming. Doesn't quite match up to the opening credit. But I will say, the opening credit of this show, it's just, it's unreal. See, I'm gonna go back and watch that because I didn't know. I, I think just watch the opening credits. You don't really need to watch the episodes. <laughs> just watch the, just watch the, uh, the opening credits. That's that's all you need to worry about. And uh, I'll just do a quick run through of the things that happened in August 1996 this time. So George R.R. R. Martin publishes his, his novel called A Game of Thrones. Now, I'm not really sure Have of you, that. I've not heard of that. I mean, is that a thing? I don't know. Did it, did it take me. off? I mean, I'm not sure. No idea, mate. I mean, he wrote it and it got some degree of success, I guess. Whether it turned into a television program, I could not say. I'm not sure, but you know. No. And uh, Jack was in the cinemas, the Robin oh, Williams film. that was an incredible film. I don't Probably one of my favourite Robin Williams films, I think. One of. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. I mean, I haven't seen it. I've only seen it probably about 20 times <laughs> <laughs> uh, compared to it's some of the other the, ones I've seen. Oh, but I mean... Remarkable film. film. And uh, Los Del Rio were number one with the Macarena. Oh, please, so, no. Maybe yeah. we won't put the music over this one. Mm, maybe we will, so <laughs> we can see you trying to do the Macarena. Oh, dear. And that's, that's never going to happen. <laughs> Again, that's like another school disco one. We mentioned it oh, a couple God, of weeks yeah. back. Oh, so, a little bit of an anecdote. My, uh, my niece, um, she had a doll, and the arms... Uh, she had to put the arms on and she put the arms on the wrong way around and she didn't want to take it apart so she goes oh don't worry about it I'll just say she's doing the Macarena 
That's kind of cute. But yeah, it's, yeah, of it's quite course. inventive. Yeah, it, 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 it is. It's quite inventive. And so, yeah, the, the 1996 version of, of, of Johnny Quest. Now, again, I think the, the kind of makers of this were like, you know, we're going to try and make the show more Johnny centric. And I think they kind of admitted one of the producers or whatnot was saying, if you analyze the original show, you'll see it's really the Dr. Quest and race show. And Johnny was just hanging out. After all, what can a 10-year-old kid do? So I think with this version of Johnny Quest, I think he's a lot older, him and Haji. And then now you've got Race's daughter, Jessie. So it's kind of like the three of them kind of going on adventures. And they're kind of sort of tasked with, with actually being more hands-on and actually helping save the day, as opposed to just Dr. Quest coming up with some brand new invention or some brand new thing that kind of saves everything and i think the kind of episode i think the standout episode of all the johnny quest i thought was the uh, the edge of yesterday so this is where the villain of the piece ezekiel rage he kind of sets off and he tries to set off a nuclear bomb which is like in the and he tries to put it in the sort of the beneath the earth and it's up to Dr. Quest. He kind of invents a time machine. So this time machine will enable Johnny and his group to try and stop Ezekiel Rage. And so Johnny watches a video that Dr. Quest sent him. And Dr. Quest goes, look, if you're watching this video, it either means I'm in deep, deep trouble or I'm dead. And he said that I invented a time machine so that I can try and meet with your mum one last time. And Johnny's thinking like, damn, you invented a time machine. I want to go see my mum. But Haji's trying to tell him, look, we've got to try and save the world. You can't think of that right now. So they kind of go into this sort of three-dimensional sort of world where they're kind of fighting Ezekiel Rage. Like, it's really interesting to watch. It isn't like an animated cartoon. It's literally like a 3D image and they're kind of battling in between time and space and they're trying to battle and they're trying to get to three days ago where the bomb was set and Ezekiel Rage is trying to take over the world so that whole kind of episode was really uh, again it was kind of like a look into the virtual realm of of quest world which was basically a three-dimensional cyberspace rendered within computer animation so they would have not just the the animation. So they'll have the three-dimensional version of Johnny and Rage and Haji and Jesse. And they're all figuring it out and battling in between the worlds. And yeah, I thought that was a, a, an episode that really kind of showed off what Johnny Quest was really about. And again, like I said, it is, it's a shame that they never really had much of a run in terms of the three times that they were on the air or the three times that they tried to launch and, and reinvent Johnny Quest. Yeah, I mean, I I was aware of it as a kid. Yeah. Uh, was it on, which channel did it air on? Was it Cartoon Network? I think Network? Cartoon Network was, I don't think Hanna-Barbera was like, they would have most, yeah, Cartoon Network. Was. Yeah, I think, so at the time obviously there's no internet, no nothing. Mm-hmm. I think I did have Sky very briefly, but not until later on. Yeah. Sky, well, 1996, so I was, yeah, I'm not sure. I think 
Like CBBC used to show Johnny Quest as well. Okay, so... <clears throat> so I didn't see much of it, mm. or if any, as a, yeah. as a kid. Yeah. So I kind of... I was aware of it, didn't... I knew that it was kind of there and... But never really... It kind of didn't... Yeah. For me, it was kind of like... <clears throat> I would watch it. I would think, oh my God, this theme song is so epic. And you're thinking, this show's going to be the best show ever. And then after like five, ten minutes later, you're switching off. You're just kind of like, oh, this is a bit, a bit, a bit boring. It's, 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 it's. I mean, it's not, it's not bad, but then it's not, it's not amazing. It's not something that I'm going to go out of my way to to watch because it's not really doing. I think that was the age when I was kind of into like Captain Scarlet, mm-hmm. and maybe there's a show called Reboot. I'm not sure if you know that, but it was. I know that one. No, that show is uh, was incredible. Um. Yeah, but I think it was, I don't know what cartoons I was really watching. I've got to figure out how old I was as well. I mean, if you're 96, it's probably like you're watching other things. <clears throat> yeah. Because you've got, you've got a wealth of choice and you're not going to go out of your way and, 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 and try and watch Johnny Quest whenever it's scheduled to come yeah, on. Yeah. So I think that was, in that sense, it kind of suffered. And I think... Because the producers and Hannah and Barbera, they kept chopping and changing. So after one season back in 64, they'd be like, ah, okay, this is not what we kind of want to do. Okay, fine. We'll, we'll shelf it and we'll come back to it. And then 22 years later in 1986, okay, maybe we'll try, we'll try again and we'll try and do uh, the new adventures of Johnny Quest. Okay, maybe all this technological stuff isn't quite, clicking with audiences so they thought you know what we'll shelf it and then again in 1996 they think you know what right we're kind of more into the future so let's try and 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 create something that people might like so they got the theme song part absolutely spot on it was just mm, shows not quite so much i mean yeah i mean like i said there was a couple of episodes from the 96 that i kind of liked i think manhattan man eater was the the other one, so basically there's a tiger causing havoc on the New York underground. So just causing havoc. And then there's basically like a bunch of people who want to try and catch this lion. And then basically Johnny and his gang try and stop the bounty hunters from trying to kill the tiger. And then they end up taking the tiger back to the wild. So I think that was a a decent enough episode of uh, Johnny Quest. But I think, again, with Johnny Quest... I it suffered with the chopping and changing and the inconsistencies. And I don't think Hannah and Barbera necessarily knew what they wanted with Johnny Quest. So yeah, they're kind of trying to change. They tried, I mean, they tried what three times. Yeah. And they had like their fair share of like video games and things like this. So it just, yeah, I think the 96 one might've had a couple more seasons than I know the, the, the one in 64 and 86 only had like a season. So you could have an idea of just what they thought. It's just like, oh, this ain't working out. So we're just going to put it on the shelf until we can figure it out. And I don't necessarily think they did in the end. No, I think so too. I think um, I think the fact that I didn't watch it as a kid when it was kind of in its prime yeah, says same. quite a lot exactly. about a show. I watched loads of cartoons as a kid. Me too. Uh, so I, which is why I'm doing this. No, exactly. So I mean, I, I think I didn't. 
Yeah, I didn't really click with it. Even this time around, I didn't really click with it. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I, from the earlier versions, because I didn't watch some of the later versions, um, as I said earlier, I was cramming. Um, but some of the beginning, I had a... I'll give you an edit. I'll give you an edit point here, just in case um, we don't want to put this in. But there's three things I wrote. I, th- I wrote that um, race looks like Johnny, and he doesn't really. Johnny doesn't really look like his dad. Uh, just a side point. <laughs> uh, why is Johnny's dad bringing him on such dangerous adventures? If Johnny, if if race is supposed to be his bodyguard, maybe he should have just hired a nanny. It would have been a lot cheaper, presumably. Well, he got Hadji, who was teaching him everything for free anyway. Yeah, but he's, he's, he's taking him in quite dangerous situations. He's not like a scientist in a lab making up new hair products. Yeah. You know, he's like trying to... He's, not that any of them needed it. They had a lovely flock of hair. They did, actually. That was like a... Yeah. A hair adverts in themselves. Maybe that's what it was. Maybe he perfected their hair products too early. And then, you know, after the hair products, you then go on to save the world. Um, yeah, and then there's an episode where Johnny was on a boat and he was like, oh, look, it's, he's activated his homing beacon. That means we can go and get the baddies, not we can go and save our son, who's with, like, you know, masked men with swords. Masked lizard men, <laughs> yes. masked lizard dinosaur men. This doesn't seem to be bothered. Well, he's got Haji. Haji's going to save him with his with mystical his, magic. With his mystical rope-moving powers. Yeah. Okay. That's all you need, really. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay, moving on to the next one. It's Tintin. And, okay, so Tintin kind of like was this uh, series of comics that was uh, created by Georges Remy but his pen name was Herge. Now, Tintin is probably one of the most popular, if not the most popular European comics of the 21st century. And it's been published in more than 70 languages and sold over 200 million copies. It made his debut in January 1929 in, okay, now, excuse my French, in Le Petit Vigtm, which basically means the little 20th. And it appeared in the youth supplement of a Belgian newspaper, Le Vigtm Siècle, which means the 20th century. So uh, that's where it kind of made its uh, debut. And then people liked it so much, it kind of became a a series and and it it was sort of serialized. And... Obviously, it's kind of centered around Tintin, who's a, a reporter and an adventurer. He's basically going all the way around the world, fighting crimes, Normally solving one mysteries. Episode. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, never filing his report, which yeah. makes him an awful journalist. Yeah, but that, uh, that, That's one of the things I wrote down and it bugs me. He's got a job to do. How's he paying his bills? I know. He's going all the way around the world. <laughs> never files his report. And he ends up being in someone else's report often. Yeah. Like he'll be on to, he'll solve some massive mystery and end up in someone else's newspaper. Right, right. And then, uh, who knows? And he, yeah, he's accompanied by his uh, faithful dog, Snowy, or Milou, in the French version. See, I'm going to be trying to 
speak some French in this uh, talking about Tintin. So uh, for all the French and Belgian listeners that I know I have, I'd like to say uh, sorry. I don't know how to Oh, pardon. Yeah, I just want to say uh, a pardon just in case I uh, pronounce, actually not even just in case, I will pronounce things wrong. And yeah, so uh, give me a chance. Give me a chance. And uh, some of the... Uh, Characters in uh, Tintin that I liked was uh, obviously you had Captain Haddock, you had uh, the Thompson twins, even though they're not twins, Thompson and Thompson, and you had Professor Calculus. Now, do you want me to read them in French? I would love you to read them in French. Okay, so Captain Haddock in French is Capitaine Haddock. Okay, that's fairly straightforward. Thompson and Thompson was Dupont et Dupond and uh, Professor Calculus was Professor Trifon Tornesol okay that was awful <laughs> but uh, yeah that's uh, their names now um, before we get to the actual television version of Tintin let's uh, get the controversy stuff out of the way now with Tintin Obviously, during when the time it was written, the world was pretty topsy-turvy, backward as hell. So I think Herge tried to use that as an excuse. So in the Tintin comics, it would often have racial stereotypes, animal cruelty, bigging up colonialism and just violence. And you kind of had like caricature portrayals of non-Europeans so anyone from Africa would just be like big-lipped and the kind of looking like minstrels and things like that I think Tintin in the Congo is probably the one that kind of springs to mind when you talk about stereotypes of like you know what they perceived Africans would kind of look like and in that comic you kind of see Tintin he's addressing a class of like African children and he says my dear friends I'm going to talk to you today about your fatherland Belgium and I'm thinking really Tintin is, 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 is that how you gonna roll <laughs> like damn son I, th I thought you were this nice young man who's kind of reporting on things and coming straight out of the gate telling these little black children that you're all colonized and yeah that was a, a massive uh downer and then uh you had a herge kind of obviously admitting later on that doing these kind of stories and kind of portraying it in this way was flawed he said i portrayed these africans according to purely paternalistically the spirit of the time so that's how that we that sounds like a cop-out. It is a cop-out. He's, he's basically saying, oh, well, everybody else did it, so I'm going to do it. Yeah. And then obviously you had uh, Tintin kind of being as well a, a big game hunter, where I think in one of the comics he accidentally, I don't know how you accidentally kill 15 antelope. I think antelope is the plural of antelopes, isn't it? Oh. I guess, uh, yeah. Shall, shall I have a little Google? If you want, yeah. But apparently, yeah. He says that he portrayed as accidentally killing 15 antelope whereas you only needed to kill one for dinner 
so that was quite a an unfortunate thing to kind of um to kind of portray or to kind of do i think antelope or antelopes is um is acceptable well basically he killed a bunch of them in the comic how how did he kill how did he kill them well he's he's one well apparently he's with a gun basically with a rifle or a shotgun. So he accidentally shot 15 antelope with probably a single shot rifle. Well, it's not like dominoes and they're all going to fall on top of each other. That's what I'm saying. So he accidentally had to load it, at least pull the barrel back. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Would you believe it? This went off 15 times. I mean, they must have had an epic dinner in that <laughs> comic. Yeah, because he was only meant to kill one for dinner. And some good coats afterwards, probably. Mm. When he when, you know, <laughs> when he's in Tibet, in Tintin in Tibet, you would never, ever feel cold. And uh, the other thing that Hurge kind of said was, well, I was fed the prejudices of the bourgeois society that surrounded me. Again, another cop-out from uh, Monsieur Hurge. I mean, it's just like I'm just had I just had a little Wikipedia of the um, Tintin in the Congo, and uh, racism is one of the little drop down menus, <laughs> which I found quite surprising. I mean, I mean, I bet it has like its own section and everything. Doesn't Literally it? has its own section. Well, racism, yeah, yeah, because yeah. it's like it's one of those things where you see. I didn't, I didn't look up the. Uh, I was aware of the existence of them, but I didn't look up the comics. Uh, I just was watching the, uh, on the cartoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like, happily watching the cartoon. So this think, is like a revelation to me. Yeah, as as we now segue into the sort of on screen and television, I think yeah, Tintin in the Congo was, I think Tintin in the Congo and Tintin in Soviet Union were the ones that weren't sort of turned into animation. Yeah. I think the other comics kind of were, but I think they had to like sort of tone it down in terms of like the the killings and the racism and any of the kind of things that would necessarily not work on tv and things like that the episodes that i watched of tintin there were i believe no killings i think a lot of people getting a knock on the head but i don't think there's any any deaths in there I think a couple of people died when I watched Tintin. I think, I mean, yeah, like I like to. We'll move on to uh, the uh, the TV. So it kind of first made its appearance in 1957. So this was kind of Herge's adventures of of Tintin, or maybe Le Adventures de Tintin, or whatever in French. So some of the things in 1957 that kind of happened was the Suez Canal crisis. So this was basically when uh, Anthony Eden and Charles de Gaulle were kind of scheming with Israel to try and get back the Suez Canal. NASA was like, I ain't playing around with y'all. I want this Suez Canal for myself. And obviously the Suez Canal was a way for Britain to kind of enter its colonies. So they tried to create a fake war between Israel and Egypt. And it didn't really work out because America were like, "Uh, you need to stop what you're doing. Otherwise, we're going to stop Marshall Plan. And so Britain and France kind of had to leave with their tails tucked in, incredibly embarrassed. And Anthony Eden had to resign as prime minister because it was like a real, real embarrassment. And at the time, he's probably thinking, you know what? 
I'm probably going to go down in history as being the worst conservative prime minister of all time. Anyway, the other things that happened in 1957 was The Bridge of the River Kwai was one of the probably biggest films back then. And uh, Ab Hunter was number one with The Young Love. Good song, good song. And so, yes, Tintin went for seven seasons in... 1957 all the way to 1964. So they'll kind of have sort of topics like Red Rackham's Treasure, Going to the Moon, The Crab with the Golden Claw, The Secret of the Unicorn. So they'll kind of break them down into seasons and kind of sort of break, do episodes on each of those sort of comic books. And what the 1957 version did was kind of they didn't necessarily follow the original comics. They kind of sort of went away and kind of did their own their own sort of thing. But I think the 1991 version definitely was more closer to the comic books than the actual 1957 version. And as I was saying, they pretty much did an episode of all of the kind of stories except for Tintin in the Soviet Union and Tintin in the Congo. So October 1991 was when The Adventures of Tintin or Le Adventures de Tonton. I think it's, yeah, Tonton in French, but uh, whatever. But yeah, they kind of made its debut in October 1991 Some of the world events that happened in 1991 was that the Croatian parliament decided to cut all remaining ties with newly Yugoslavia. Also, Brazilian driver Ayrton Senna clinches his second straight Formula One world title and he won three overall back then in 91. Curly Sue was in the cinema and as you can hear, Emotions by Mariah Carey was uh, number one in the charts. I think this was one of her sort of earlier songs in the chart. I'm not going to sing it because I don't have the high notes <laughs> of, uh, of a young Mariah Carey. But yeah, so uh, Tintin in 1991. Now, this is probably the Tintin I remember watching on Channel 4 as a kid. Again, with uh, an incredible and epic opening credits. So this could be the battle of the opening credits with Johnny Quest and, uh, and Tintin. But yeah, the opening credits was pretty epic. It was pretty... Action-packed, jam-packed adventures, and all that good stuff. I I agree. I think the uh, the I, I I did watch this um, the opening credits, opening credits, open title sequence. I watched a couple and then I would skip them because any it doesn't matter how good the opening title sequence is. I can't watch them more than a couple of times. <laughs> but I thought I thought Tintin was was. Was quite uh, is another one's quite exciting, kind of like a, a lot going on. Um, hard to keep up with if you take your eyes off the ball for five seconds. I think I made a cup of tea in one episode. <laughs> I came back and they were completely in a completely different country. <laughs> I was like, Ooh. yeah, okay, let's rewind that a little bit. I know. So, I think the one you and I were watching together was the uh, the crab with the golden claw. So, this was basically so with the opium inside the. Yeah. Crab meat. And they were aboarding the Karabujan, the yeah, their yeah, boat. Yeah. yeah. It's a fascinating name for a so boat. I, I, 
I think it's, it's, it's very peculiar. Like you said, he's a reporter, right? So mm. his job is kind of, I don't know what his kind of specialty is, but he kind of just drops everything yeah, and goes on this hunt. And then you've got these kind of useless... Um, Thompson and Thompson. Yeah, useless policemen. Right or you useless are, inspectors. Oh no, right you are. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> And they just fall over each other. It's just—it's kind of painful to watch that <laughs> a journalist is kind of. Maybe it was the kind of sign of the times, as like a, the journalists are winning and the police are losing. I don't—I don't know. I mean, in like this was set in 1929, so or at least in the 30s, at the very least. So this wasn't a case of, oh well, this is modern reporting and things like that. This was meant to be something set for like the late 20s early 30s it kind of just sticks his oar in a, a bit for me yeah so it's it's not like he she, you know it's kind of one of those things oh uh hello is that 999 i've uh, just spotted this thing that's happening it's quite dangerous and it just seems a bit weird you know he just goes ahead and does it yeah, i mean you got yeah. the campaigns at the moment see it say it sorted <laughs> Now, and now it's like no don't worry I'm thinking where's your where's your journalistic instincts where's your notepad where's your pen who what when why how I mean where's your editor I'm sure your editor wouldn't be telling you to go aboard the Caraboujan and disturb the captain of the boat his editor's probably like I told you to go to see Mrs. Dawson about that cat that she lost yeah and now that story's not in the paper yeah we have to remember this is French this is not Set in Tunbridge Wells, Mrs. Dawson and her missing cat. <laughs> this is meant to be like whatever's happening in Paris or Brussels. You're meant to be investigating that, not the case of the missing cat in suburban Kent. They said, what are you doing in Kent? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Meeting Mildred Dawson and... <laughs> but I did like that first episode. And then obviously you kind of sort of meet Captain Haddock. Obviously, if you weren't into Tintin... You would meet Captain Haddock, who's just basically a, a drunk on a on a boat, and he thinks he's a captain, and he just ends up being this grumpy old man. He's he's fantastic, thundering typhoons and blistering barnacles. I just remember as a kid, that's like the thing I used to always say that as a kid, be like blistering barnacles. I I mean I. It's another show. I would say I watched a lot of cartoons earlier, but apparently I didn't. I mean, I haven't seen I haven't seen this one when I was a kid either. Did you not? Never saw it as a kid. Because we only had four channels growing up, and so we were just we had to watch what we what we got really. Yeah. And again, I remember as I was saying with Sesame Street, like I remember um, this used to come on before Sesame Street. So like sort of eleven eleven thirty on Channel Four in the summer holidays would be Ses would be Tintin. Either he used to come on before or after Sesame Street. So I think I'm, I must have been an ITV kid then. Probably. Like completely missing all of these. Because, yeah, like Channel 4 would show a ton of stuff and Tintin would be one of the stuff they'd show. What channel was Keenan and Kel on? Now, see, Keenan and Kel would be on BBC, but again, it would be once we only had Nickelodeon. We'd be only weird <laughs> to watch it, but... Would it would be on uh, the BBC? So uh, yeah, so I was BBC and ITV then. Must have missed all these. Channels. No, because obviously CBBC and CITV. So BBC and ITV kind of had their own sort of programming where they would show 
sustained amount of cartoons. But during the morning, Channel 4 would show stuff in the morning. So they would then show, like I said, Tintin, they would show Sesame Street, they'd show Madeline, they'd show a wide bunch of stuff. And so that was when, yeah, Tintin, they would would show that on, on Channel 4. And I think for a while they used to show it on Channel 5 as well. We didn't, I lived in the countryside, we didn't have Channel 5. Well, you would have got it a lot later than We only everybody. got Channel 5 when digital TV came in because our antennas couldn't pick it up. Oh, ours did. Every now and then you got like a fuzzy picture. Do you know when you had to move the aerials? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I think eventually we had one on the roof, but we had one of the ones that you move around. Yeah, I definitely didn't pick up Channel 5. They did not. No, we. I lived in the sticks, so it's kind of. There's no way. Luckily. So I'm. I'm guessing you never watched Milkshake then. I don't even know what Milkshake is, and unless it's the. Well, Milkshake was like the CBBC version of Channel Five. So, so yeah. So now I know what it is because it's still on now. Is it? Is is it a show or is it just like a kind of like a? It's like C- with it's cartoons like, it's, it's inside like CBBC. It. Yeah, so that ha- that's still on now, and my niece watches it. I think. What Milkshake? Yeah. On Channel 5, right? Yes. I'm I'm Googling it. It's not... This is not a... It's not an awkward pause, yeah. <laughs> it's not an awkward pause. I'm just going... Yeah, Milkshake, Channel 5. March 2014. Yeah, I've definitely seen it before. But that's just... I, I'm not with any old cartoons. It's just with the new... Yeah. Our Peppa Pig and stuff like that. Two episodes from the newer version of Tintin spring to mind for me. So, Red Rackham's Treasure... Or Le Treasure de Rackham de... L- I'll say that again. Le Treasure de Rackham Le Rouge. Something about Red Treasure. Yeah, Red Rackham's Treasure. So Tintin and Captain Haddock are planning an expedition to the West Indies. And they're looking for the treasure of the pirate Red Rackham. Oh, yeah, I watched this one. I yeah, watched so this, one. this was a really good one. So they're the one going about the on maps. the... Yeah, so they're... They locate the island on the globe. They press a secret button and they discover all these artifacts and things that are inside. And I think in the end, Captain Haddock, he will host an exhibition of the treasure. And I don't think they kind of take it for personal gain. I think it's one of those where they're more curious by it all. Then I think they're probably, it's probably one of those things where you can't, like, the heroes can't seem to be yeah. kind of greedy. Yeah. But I mean, I would have taken it, wouldn't you? It's worth a bit, yeah. On Antiques Roadshow the next week. Yeah, and interestingly, the Red Rackham's Treasure comic book was serialised amidst the German occupation of Belgium during the Second World War. The other one that I really liked was Tintin in America. Now, in this episode, it actually does start with Tintin typing. So kind of does remind us in the end that Tintin is actually a reporter so he's typing up something or whatnot but then he ends up getting into it with Al Capone and Al Capone actually remembers him because Al because Tintin thwarted him in Tintin in the Congo it was all about Al Capone and gangsters and whatnot and so Al Capone is like right I'm gonna try and get this guy and he's kidnapped by um Al Capone, so he gets into it with all these sort of gangsters and mob bosses in Chicago, I believe. 
So he kind of finds his way through that and he kind of overcomes and then Tintin's this big old hero and they all live happily ever after. I would like to know how popular Tintin is with his boss. With the editor back you know, back He must home. be rich. But why? He's not doing his... Maybe it's Rupert Murdoch. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, he's never doing his work, is he? Maybe, he maybe, he maybe starts Tintin, off typing. Maybe Tintin works for like a, a news international or whatever it's called. Maybe a panorama. Maybe, yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe he works Big expose. <laughs> yeah. He's like, you know, don't do any work. Just travel around the world and I'll pay for it. I mean, that would be the that would be the life, wouldn't it? But I mean, I'm pretty sure he just gets distracted. His travel expenses bill must be like over the roof. Yeah. He I went mean, in every month, <laughs> handing over the receipts. It'd be like the end of Home Alone 2 every time. <laughs> Tintin, <laughs> you spent 967 bucks on room service. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I think like... Imagine if everyone gets distracted at work, right? It's so easy to get mm. distracted. Mm. I'll, I, I suppose no, 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 no. there's there's me being distracted by playing Candy Crush, and then there's Tintin following a a gangster on a on a boat called the Caribujan and ending up in Nepal somewhere. That's what I mean. Imagine like, uh, hey Abdullah, uh, where where are you? You need to be in for this meeting. Oh, uh sorry, I actually got distracted. I'm in Nepal. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, 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 I, I ended up chasing these really bad, bad men. So, oh, did you, did you, did you, did you get him? Yeah, we got him. Uh, was okay. Uh, don't, oh, what's I'm the on, angle? Yeah, I'm on my way back now. <laughs> <laughs> so, and on that, on that note, we'll uh, make a decision. So, uh, who are you going for, Tintin or Johnny Quest? Okay, so uh, to be honest. I didn't really like either of the shows that much. <laughs> um, I thought that the Johnny Johnny Quest was. Uh, I found it peculiar that his dad was so blasé about child safety, um, and I find it quite hard to follow. Um, I, I I didn't really like it that much. Uh, Tintin was it just it kind of irritated me how he had a job to do and he never did it. <laughs> you know he just kind of he went off on these adventures and things like that and uh, and, the, and the police were useless and he you know they're kind of like oh hello again I've just caught the baddies for you kind of thing um, that being said I thought Tintin was quite a lot more exciting to watch than Johnny Quest I thought Johnny Quest was a bit um, it, you know a lot happened quite you know like Scooby-Doo-esque like I said but with real baddies Um so I'm going to have to go with uh, Tintin. I've thought about this and I'm going to go with Tintin only just. Only because all the stuff about Tintin in the Congo made me feel really uncomfortable. And the fact that he would, you know, go around telling little Congolese children that you're not really Congolese, but you're, from you're Belgium. Yes, yeah, so I did. But if you ever came to Belgium, we would treat you like the dirt on your shoe that kind of made me feel yeah my, really my caveat is i didn't know about that before uh yeah, yeah, before we yeah. started and i forgot about it when i said, <laughs> said yeah that, yeah like, yeah it's better um i'll only say it's just about better because again this is 
part of like my childhood. I I have fond memories watching Tintin as a child, as opposed to having fond memories watching Johnny Quest. Because like I said, I would watch the theme song. I think, oh, this program is so epic. But then you watch it and you're kind of like, meh. After five, ten minutes, you're like, this is boring. What's what's on next or what's what's the next thing? But with Tintin, I had I had a lot more fond memories watching this. I think both both cartoons could have been a lot better if they were half the length. I think uh, there were quite... I mean, what, the 20, 20 minutes, 25 minutes, some episodes? Yeah. I think just given the uh, the nature of the, the, the cartoon, I think it could have done a lot better just half the, half the length. Because uh, there was times when I was watching it, I was like, God, blimey, this, uh, this is getting yeah. on a bit. Yeah, or you'd kind of watch it in the background. You'd yeah, be doing yeah. other stuff and you'd just be kind of watching it in the background, which is most of what we do in 2019 as opposed to just sitting down and watching yeah watching the bloody thing but um yeah like i, I do think watching tintin is a chore because it's like part one part two part one part two yeah and like the sort of extended ones are like 40 minutes long and you're like for goodness sake I've yeah not... part one part two at 20 minutes you know it's like 40 yeah, minutes so 25 40, minutes yeah, an hour yeah yeah, yeah you yeah. know kind of going on so it's kind of like i haven't got enough hours in the day to be sitting down watching all these programs it's such a chore but now it's my job i guess it's not so bad but still i mean there are worse like, things there are worse things to be doing than sitting down watching cartoons right yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's fond memories especially watching tintin which is more than what i can say for the next program or cartoon that we will be doing Okay, so the special I decided to do was Johnny Bravo. Okay, so now this program, okay, it came out in uh, July 1997. Uh, okay, I'm not so enthusiastic doing all this stuff because I just want to, I, wa- I want to get this over and done with. Okay, so... Uh, do, you United- want, do you want me to read it? I think I could be a little bit more enthusiastic about Johnny Bravo. Okay, okay, okay. I'll be more <laughs> enthusiastic. Okay, then. So, the things that happened in July 1997, oh, this was such a great month and great year, was uh, the United Kingdom actually agreed to um, giving back Hong Kong and the new territories territories to the People's Republic of China, as we discussed in one of the programs we were doing before when they kind of agreed to it. So, it kind of came to a head back then. Also, the Nevada Athletic Commission suspends Mike Tyson indefinitely and withheld his $20 million purse for biting Evander Holyfield's Holyfield. ear. Classic, classic. And Men in Black was the uh, biggest movie in, uh, July, in July 1997. I don't know why I wrote 2007 in my notes. But yeah, <laughs> July 1997, yeah, was uh, the year of, uh, or the month of... Uh, of Men in Black, which I never really liked, but you never you liked Men in Black. Not really. I loved Men in Black. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. Not for me. I thought Will Smith was one of the funniest people on the planet. <laughs> I, I, I loved it. I watched it about a hundred times. It was I. Men in Black was I, and uh, as you can hear in the background, uh, Oasis were number one with Jinata Me. 
that was the number one song in July 1987. This was the height of Britpop and the nation was divided between Oasis and Blur. So obviously if you were a southerner like me or everyone else, you'd kind of root for Blur. Obviously if you were from the north, you would be rooting for Oasis. So that was... Uh, I was in the middle and I was Oasis. Good times. I mean, Oasis man, every time. Now, uh, going on to Johnny uh, Bravo, again, this was another Hanron-Barbera produced cartoon, and this is basically centered on the uh, sunglasses-wearing young man who tries to get women to date him, but it never really ends well for him because it always ends with a woman decking him. And obviously he had this sort of uh, this Presley-like voice. Oh, oh, mama. Oh, mama. Oh, somebody's tell me. I'm Johnny Bravo. I've got big pecs and big muscles and I've got the most incredible hair. And that was just basically him going all around and just harassing anything with a bit of skirt. That was Johnny Bravo. And he, you know, displaying... The characteristics and behaviors of everything that is wrong with the modern male. So uh, I'm not quite sure what you're doing, but uh, you you seem to like Johnny Bravo. So uh, why don't you tell me how amazing he is and, what, and I'll just sit here and slowly ebb away and feel my soul leaving my body. Okay, so firstly, Johnny Bravo always helps that little girl. I don't know who the little girl is, then, but he always helps her out, right? No matter what he's doing. Little Susie. Yeah, and he always helps her. He doesn't right? help her. He Unless was... there's something in there for him, he will not help her. In fact, he wants nothing to do with <laughs> little Susie. But he, even if he's begrudgingly, he always helps her out, doesn't he? She'll be always... like, oh, hey, Johnny, can you come round and play with my dollies and have tea? And he's like, <laughs> this... oh, I'm not coming to your home until you're 15 years older. Okay. I think it's really funny. I think that he always gets a kick in, doesn't he, for being for being a donut? Yeah. And I think there's like a lot, you know, it's just like a, it's kind of a, you make it, you're making it very difficult to uh, disagree with you. Oh, but you like Johnny Bravo, so why don't you tell me how amazing he is? But it's, it's, it's just funny, man. It's just, that's all I have. The one thing I will say about Johnny Bravo was that it was very easy to watch. It was about maybe six, five, seven six minutes, minutes an episode long. So it wasn't much of an effort to sit down and watch it. And yeah, as, as we were kind of talking about it, Seth MacFarlane was part of the uh, creative team with uh, Johnny Bravo. He was the writer and uh, storyboard artist. And Obviously, this is where he said he kind of had so much fun kind of developing and creating the character that is a, that is a Johnny Bravo. Yeah, I mean, obviously, he's, um, they never show his uh, that kind of masculinity kind of thing. You never see it working there. Do you see what I mean? He always gets a, yeah. Like I said, he always gets a kick in and it, and it kind of never, never works out. It never stops him, though, does it? It never stops him, but he's tenacious. And it, I think it's, it's just his... Uh, it's it's just a it's kind of funny thing that no matter what he tries, acting like that ain't gonna get you far. But it's like, I mean, it should be like a 
A we, telltale. We don't. We we don't laugh at him succeeding in that kind of way. We we find the comedy in him failing, acting like that. Right. The comedy is not the kind of like him acting like that and then grabbing and grabbing a woman. The comedy is in him getting a beating. For, for I guess. But if you're if you're a young impressionable male and you're watching that now, I remember going to school and you'd have boys in the school thinking that they're Johnny Bravo, that they would wear tight black t-shirts <laughs> and jeans, and they'll be going with their hairbrushes going, huh, huh, oh, mama, oh, huh. <laughs> they should get a kick in for that. Yeah, <laughs> and so you'd have young men doing that. But it's not, not young men, but like kids doing that, and it's making an impression. And if you just so happen to be in an environment where you don't really have a male role model at home, chances are you're watching Johnny Bravo and thinking, oh, I'm just going to act like that because it's so, so cool. Yeah, but I And mean, if you it, think about, you know, all the things that's wrong with society today I and what's wrong with men today... You can't blame it on Johnny Bravo. I'm going to say he goes a long <laughs> way into defining and shaping what men are like. Do you reckon? Because if you, if you look at how men behave and how boorish men behave, you can go back to Johnny Bravo and see how he behaves and you can draw parallels. I'm not sure if I necessarily agree with that. I think it's... I think there are far worse uh, kind of... even role models on television. No, but the way things is, it's... If you ask a girl out and the girl says no, yeah. that should be the end of it. Not with Johnny Bravo. Oh, I'm going to find a way to make your mind, girl. Huh. That. And in some of the episodes, it would just be him chasing the girl, even though she wants Soddle to do with him, even though she knows what kind of man he is and and how much of a an asshole he is he's still chasing after the bit of skirt that wants nothing to do with him and he won't stop until yeah, but he never wins though does he he never wins I'd see... I've never seen yeah, an episode yeah, yeah, where yeah. He, his behaviour gets him anywhere yeah right yeah it just gets bashed up yeah but after a while I mean they squeeze this out for about what two three seasons like actually for a long time i think mid 2000s is when johnny bravo came to an end really yeah so they they had a pretty pretty long run so i think it was at the time it, it was out at the time when i was watching cartoons and quite a lot of them i was more watching the wacky races and, and things like that but i definitely watched quite a few episodes of it yeah, I, like I said, I, as a kid, I liked Johnny Bravo, Johnny Bravo. And watching back now, me being as old as I am, I'm like, I'm horrified that I used to like this stuff. Yeah, I watched a few episodes. I didn't watch that many. And in one episode, he helped a little girl. Uh, and there was a baddie. There was a kind of sweet, He wasn't a sweet, very good sweet Superman man. in the end. No, and he only did it he, he, because he fancied the teacher. He didn't do it because he wanted to help Susie. He wanted to do it so that he could worm his way into the teacher. Like, he wanted to 
he fancied the teacher and he only did it for the teacher so that he could try his little patter with the teacher. Okay, I missed that bit. And now you're saying it, I'm remembering it. And you're kind of ruining <laughs> the memory for me, to be honest. Oh, 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 I'm sorry <laughs> that you don't have this lovely version of Johnny Bravo, of him being this hero male. He ends up being like the worst superhero of all time. Yeah, he gets, he, 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 I think he beats the baddie by accident in the end, right? I'm guessing so, Because he gets yeah. a hosepipe and he turns it on and he, she's trying to, he's trying to clean himself because he fell down somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> and it ends up getting on the sweet man and he melts. Yeah, I think that's starting to ring a bell now. And okay, uh, I'm I'm agreeing with you now. I, I'm ag- I'm agreeing. I think I'm looking at it with more kind of rose colored glasses than I perhaps should be. Would you let your children watch Johnny Bravo? No, probably not. There you go. That should that should <laughs> tell you what you need to know. It's you wouldn't you you wouldn't want your son to be like Johnny Bravo, would you? No, because you get a kick in. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope he doesn't have blonde hair. Is that a black t-shirt you're wearing? <laughs> what's, what's Uncle got him? He's got him a black t-shirt and some jeans. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so in terms of episodes of Johnny Bravo, were there any that stood out for you and... Uh, so I watched a couple, um, and it's really strange. Every time I f- think of the episodes, I forget them until you start mentioning them. The one I watched was, the main one I watched was one with the sweets, and the little girl asked him to help, and he went to the school. See, I don't think he saw the teacher before that, but then he went to the school, and he and he was the, he was the show and tell. And like, instead of someone brought in a, something else, and he she brought in a, a human being. A superhero. A super a superhero, but thinking of I don't know what is the relationship between him and the girl. Why did they I know? Think she's, why did, she's the next door neighbor. Ah, okay, so they do actually kind of know each other. I thought it a bit weird because she kind of drags him off the street to the show and tell. No, yeah, little Susie's like a a prominent character in Johnny Bravo. She's yeah. like the the next door neighbor. I did watch a couple more, but I've forgotten what happened in them. <laughs> I think one I watched was which was. I don't know. I, I I don't want to say I liked it, but I didn't hate it. But you're smiling. So now, <laughs> it's, this one was the sensitive male. And basically, Johnny, he's trying to, as ever, bumps into a girl. And he's, you know, doing his old, Hua! what's it going to take for you to be mine, girl? And all this stuff. And then he runs into a, a sensitive man. And so this guy is like all nice and lovely. He's going, oh, good day to you, madam. You are looking awfully fine on this Tuesday afternoon. And he's saying all these nice things. And basically Johnny's like, how the hell did you do that? What did you do? And he goes, I'm just being sensitive and I'm being nice. And so basically the whole episode is, it's kind of like a, a musical episode. So like this man's all singing, you know, oh, you have to be sensitive, S-E-N, however you spell sensitive. <laughs> and so he's, you know, he's trying to teach Johnny to be sensitive. And then in this episode, it turns out that the sensitive man is also a bit of an asshole. So he's saying, oh, I only be sensitive 
And I only say these things so that I can say the right things to the right women at the right time. And Johnny's like, huh? And so he's like, look, ladies, he's not that sensitive. And then the sensitive male gets his uh, comeuppance. Yeah, because he's just lying. Yeah. He's he's just playing, right? Is yeah. It, you're a player? Yeah. yeah. He's a bit of a player. So he's saying, oh, well, you know, I don't necessarily mean what I say, but I just say the right things so that the women will take notice of me and they go out on dates with me. So I just remembered an episode. <laughs> Not to glaze over that fact, <laughs> but just to go back. Uh, there was uh, an episode where he was really good at badminton and then if, but he was only good at badminton because if he was good, he got free hot dogs. Right. And uh, then a lady tried to, he stopped playing because he accidentally hit the hot dog man with, um, with the shuttlecock <laughs> and he, and he went down and they said they can't move the, uh, if you move the hot dogs, it could cause further injury. So he's not allowed any more hot dogs. And then he's in a he's in a kind of canteen, kind of uh, in like a diner, and he's telling his story. Like, uh, uh, oh, I used to play, but I can't anymore because this traumatic thing happened. That's because he can't have any more hot dogs. And then this lady comes in and says, "If you play, I'll go on a date with you." So, yeah. so he kind of goes plays, but he's he's still rubbish. And then uh, the hot dog man comes back, and then. He, someone says this kind of thing and you think he's going to win and it's all kind of like a teeing up for the final kind of finale and it's all going to be good and then someone says uh, oh this is the last hot dog and he kind of zones in on the crowd and he hits the shuttlecock and he hits the hot dog out of the person's hand <laughs> and he gets the last hot dog so he chooses hot dogs over dates typical typical man yeah but uh <laughs> <laughs> I think another one that I was watching was Hip Hop Flop. So basically, uh, Johnny's trying to get a date with this uh, a girl. She's like a big hip hop fan. And she she likes this group called The Round Pound. And they're basically like a, a play on the Fat Boys. Yeah. And so he's like, oh, I know The Round Pound. And so he ends up like... Um, meeting with the Ram Pam because one of the rappers needed help finding equipment and Johnny Bravo finds them the equipment and basically they sort of teach Johnny Bravo how to be cool, how to become a hip hop star. And when they do the big performance, he kind of is on stage rapping. So he's going, you know, everybody say, huh! and they're going, huh! and he's, you know, doing all this rap and all this stuff. And then he's, you know, trying to get the date with the girl and then in the end she goes out with another guy because she's like oh you're not you're not that cool you're not down or whatever and he's like what do you mean i'm i'm not up anymore i'm i'm down and so he's not very like street wise so he kind of has to learn all of that but then in the end she still doesn't go out with him because she goes out with someone who's a lot more down than 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 johnny bravo and i think the other thing as well about johnny bravo was because hannah barbera sort of had the rights to it. You kind of had like some interactions with other Hanna-Barbera characters. So there was one episode where the characters of Scooby-Doo come along. And so they're trying to go to uh, Johnny Bravo's aunt's house, but the house is haunted and someone's trying to get them to go away. 
And then when they sort of catch the ghost or whatever, it turns out that the ghost was his auntie. And so she's like, oh, the only reason why I'm trying to scare you all away is because I hate you, Johnny. I think you're awful. So I'm trying to get away from you. And in the episode, Kel Surprise, he's basically trying to chase after Daphne. <laughs> and he's, you know, like every time, you know, like in uh, Scooby-Doo and they all get scared and like Shaggy just jumps onto Scooby and he's like, yikes, Scooby. And he's doing the same with Velma. And, she, and he's just jumping on her and he's like, oh, mama, I hope you bite. And she's just like going <laughs> wow. like, ugh. But like Velma seems to like him. And she's like, you know, oh, I don't mind. You know, you could bite me anytime. And, but he's, you know, got his eyes on uh, on Daphne. And obviously Fred's quite jealous as well. So he's like, you know, when they're like splitting up to look, Johnny's like, you know, oh, me and uh, the redhead can go together. And then Fred's like, uh, no, me and Daphne will go and you can go with Shaggy or whatever. Shaggy, that's his name, isn't it? Shaggy yeah. and Scooby. Yeah, yeah. So that was uh, quite a, an interesting one. And uh, the last episode I'll do on uh, Johnny Bravo, which is quite an interesting one, was basically his mum ends up with a, a new boyfriend called uh, Raul Montoya. But like Johnny Bravo doesn't trust him. He thinks that he's like using his mum to like get money. He kind of sees what a, a trashy individual he is. And it's like, oh... Look in the mirror lately, did you, Johnny? Huh? He's basically you, son. Like, I'm amazed you didn't like, you know, Raul or whatever. But it was interesting to see that, you know, Johnny can kind of see what kind of man he is. And he kind of sees that he's just basically using his mom and kind of sees that, you know, look how trashy men are. And yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's... um. Listening to the kind of uh, kind of a mild an analysis of it, it's far more sexualized than I realized it was. Yeah, you know, um, I was just kind of found it found a slapstick kind of slapstick funny, but I guess the uh, the connotations within that. Yeah, you know, it's actually quite quite bad when you when you break it down. Yeah, it's like I was saying with that with little Susie when she's saying, "Oh, well, you know, come around my house for like tea and whatever." And he's like, "Oh." wait until you've grown up 15, 20 years <laughs> yeah. or whatever. Like, that's that's small, subtle things like that. And you're watching that. You're like, you know, should, should you be getting kids to be watching that kind of stuff? And, you know, all that sort of humor and innuendo. And... Yeah, I think maybe like, um, maybe it should be more of an adult cartoon. Yeah. Um, with people more uh, able to distinguish between a joke and something that's supposed to be funny, then um, yeah, you know, then 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 not realize anything and and and, yeah. and, and copy yeah. some of the antics. You know what I mean? You know, yeah. if you got like a, you wouldn't put. And I, I'm pretty sure that Family Guy, uh, mm. going back to Seth MacFarlane, yeah. uh, you know, I thought I think Family Guy was played uh, when Channel Four first got hold of it. I think they played it in the morning for kids. <laughs> it's one of those things that you know, if you don't realize, you're not paying attention. Yeah. Um. You know, you have to play these for the correct audience right exactly. so perhaps perhaps maybe it was it should be played for a more mature audience i think so i mean uh bringing it to an end now do you have any lasting memories of johnny bravo and well you've ruined them all 
to be honest. You're welcome. <laughs> um, I probably won't look at it the same way again. You're welcome. Uh, so, yeah, so thanks for the uh, eye-opening uh, insight. Pleasure. And, yeah, lasting memories of Johnny Bravo is that he is one big, massive asshole. And that concludes this episode of Yesterday's Capers. Thank you very much for joining me, Paul. I appreciate it. I had a great time. Ruined, uh, ruined Johnny Bravo for me. And, uh, yeah. Anytime, great time, Paul. Great time. Anytime, anytime. Um, yeah, so Yesterday's Capers is available wherever you get your podcast from. So definitely like, listen, share, subscribe, whatever it is your podcast platform allows you to do, do it. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Keep continuing to listen. I appreciate it all. I really, really do. You can follow Yesterday's Capers on Instagram at Yesterday's Capers 1. You can follow us on Twitter at Yesterday Capers yeah, yesterday capers, not yesterday's capers. And you can follow me on Instagram at Abdullah underscore Molim. You can follow me on Twitter at Abdullah Molim, all one word. And yeah, thank you so much for listening and uh, catch us next week for another episode of Yesterday's Capers. <laughs>